0: Hey, first of all, happy birthday to Paula. All right, Um, we are on chapter six, correct. Okay, so just to retrace our steps, the uh, breadcrumb trail, so to speak, we introduced in chapter one, I'm going to be highly condensed here, Chapter 1, the idea of the uh, animal soul, instinct for self-preservation, the amoral, the amoral desire to survive. Then we spoke about in Chapter 2, the altruistic, selfless drive to become one with Hashem, which we call the godly soul. In Chapter 3, we zoomed in on the godly soul. We spoke about its anatomy, its makeup. <clears throat> Namely, it's ten faculties, which can be subdivided into three cognitive faculties and seven emotional. In chapter four, we spoke about how those ten internal faculties are expressed outwardly, namely through the three what we call garments or modes of expression, which are thought, speech, and action. Then in chapter five, we focused on the idea of the special connection afforded to the soul through the study of Torah, that if all mitzvahs are called garments, clothing, then Torah study is called food or sustenance because we actually uh, internalize it and we make it one with ourselves. And we spoke about that at length last week. That sounds familiar to anyone who's been at all the classes or has caught up online? That sounds familiar, more or less? Okay. So now you may be thinking, you know, in the end of chapter one, you introduced the animal soul, and we haven't heard a lot about it since. We've been talking a lot about the godly soul. Chapter 3 was about the anatomy of the godly soul. Chapter 4 was about the three garments of the godly soul. Chapter 5 was about the food of the godly soul. What happened to this animal soul that you brought up in the end of chapter 1? So here in chapter 6, we're going to go back to it. We're going to go back to the animal soul. And you're going to notice... um, well, I will, I will ask you a question, which you will be able to answer on your own momentarily. We just spent three chapters focusing on the godly soul. We're going to do one chapter talking about the animal soul. Why don't we give the same amount of ink to describing the mechanics of the animal soul? We can answer it after we go through the chapter. You could probably answer it after the first line of the chapter. You wanna see? Okay, let's let's do one line and see if you can figure it out. No, I mean Pedig Vihine. Ze This one corresponding the corresponding to the other did God make. Those are the words of King Solomon in Kehelis, this one corresponding to the other, did God make? The whole system is counterbalanced. Whatever there is in holiness, there is a counterpart in non holiness. Do you figure it out already? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. An animal. Yeah. 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 It's, it's repetitious. It's the same thing, it's just reoriented. A it's a mirror image. Very good. Yeah, yeah. So we've learned about the ten faculties of the godly soul and the three modes of expression of the godly soul. We don't have to go through that in so much detail. Again, basically take what you know already from chapters 3 and 4 and reorient it, and then you have, you have, the, yeah, you have the animal soul. Okay. So he says it now explicitly. Just like the godly soul is comprised of ten holy spheres, that was what we talked about in chapter chapter three. Good. Which are in turn invested in three garments, holy garments. That was chapter four. You can look at the map on the wall, by the way. I mean, after filming. Oh, googie's map. I'm feeling cheating. I'm reading, come here. Oh, yes. I'm sure you have to So, just like that, Kach, so too. Hanefesh de citra acher miklippus neige hamelubeshes bedamodam. The soul from the other side, which is from the intermediate klippa, which is invested in the blood of the person. This is how we described it in the end of chapter 1. Okay. So too is it. Klula me'aser de masavusa. It is comprised of ten crowns of impurity. Okay, that's a Kabbalistic term. You see it's Aramaic right there. Impurity. Kis, impurity. We're talking about the animal soul. Impurity. Kissin de masavusa. It's an Aramaic crowns. T- crowns. Crown. Crown. You see that it is an Aramaic term. It is from the Zohar, like most Kabbalistic terms are Aramaic because they're from the Zohar. Don't worry so much. We're not going to get into the exact meaning of it, why they're called crowns. The point is that these are the bizarro spheroids. You know, like in Superman, there's a bizarro world. No, you guys don't know. You do. Paula knows, okay. So, there are the, just like there are Eser Svirois, Kedoshos, ten holy Sviris or emanations, so too in klipa there are the Eser kisrin de Mesavusa, the ten crowns of impurity. All right. I'll just th- throw a little thing at you just so you feel a little bit uh, satisfied. They're called crowns because in the side of impurity selfishness reigns, and each one wants to be the king. So they're called crowns. Whereas in the spheroes, everything's harmonized and uh, cooperative because all the spheroids are kolul. They're all uh, subsumed and interincluded with one another, and they're not in competition. They're there to create a, a wonderful harmony. Okay, let's just continue, though. Shahain. And namely, what are these ten crowns of impurity? The seven negative emotional traits, which emanate from the four negative elements, as mentioned above at the end of chapter one. Remember, we got into the discussion of the four elements. So the seven. Emotional traits. This uh, they have. The, you have the emotional traits and the intellect which gives birth to them, which is further subdivided into three. bin Adas, the source of the Midas. Because the Midas are proportionate, commensurate to the Seichel. See, this is exactly the same thing we said before. The only thing, if you are, if you are like, uh, if your ears are perked up and you're trying to look for little differences, there is a little difference here. Because if you remember in chapter 3 when we learned about the makeup of the godly soul, he said three cognitive faculties which give birth to seven emotional faculties. Over here he says seven, seven emotional faculties which were given birth to by three Cognitive faculties. Now the relationship is still the same. The, the, the cognition are the parents, and the emotions are the children. It's still the parents and children relationship, uh, metaphorically speaking. But the difference is in chapter three. He says the cognitive faculties first, and then the emotional emotional faculties. That's because he was speaking about the godly soul, and here in the um, the the. Um, Animal soul, he says the seven emotional faculties, and then he says the three cognitive faculties. Which, one second, alludes to the fact, and I want to make sure this is very clear, because this is a, as, a, as someone who's taught Tanya more than twice, I know that this is something that people misunderstand. So I'm going to give you a heads up. It's almost one of those things it's better not to teach, because why make everybody misunderstand? But I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a heads up that this is something that's very misunderstood. It's not saying that in the animal soul the emotions give birth to the intellect. It's not saying that. Intellect always gives birth to the emotions. That's just how it works. The difference is that in the animal soul the children are running the household. The children are ordering the parents around. Okay. So in the godly soul The emotions are being guided by the intellect. They're being used as technology or tools of the intellect in order to drive the soul toward that which it appreciates intellectually. In the the animal soul, yes, the, the intellect is still called parents. He says very clearly they're the parents. But then once they give birth to the children, the children go back and they co-opt the intellect for the purposes of uh, basically making excuses and uh, scheming and plotting how to get what you want and rationalizing why it was okay that you did what you wanted. It's called uh, the capacity to rationalize, which I think I've told many of you before, to rationalize means rational lies. <laughs> they are but the point is there it's very rational it's very rational there is a certain uh internally congruent logic it's just when you look at it in context of reality it's absurd but inter is, in ter- that yours? is that yours? no i don't know i heard it somewhere no no very little of what i say is originally <laughs> mine it's malukit me, me peace for me peace of like the altereber says um, okay so now we, we're good on the relationship between Seichel and midas. It's the same relationship. It's just being misused in the animal soul. And he says a similar thing here to what he said before. Remember before, he said that the emotions are the children of the intellect. Over here, he says a similar thing. He says the emotions are the children of the intellect. Um, and then he gives a very interesting example of where that would work detrimentally. A very interesting metaphor where that would work in a, in a negative way. Look what he says here: a child, he desires and he loves trivial things. Relatively worthless things. Because his intellect isn't sufficient to grasp anything more valuable. You understand? A child's love for trivial things, when a child gets all excited about something silly, about something fleeting, about a, 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 a a piece of frosting on a on a on a cake, and they oh goody, and they're all happy, and they're lighting up because you give them the the right piece of frosting on the cake. Like, why is that so? Why is that so powerful for a child? Well, because it's a cognitive thing. They're not capable of grasping anything that's more valuable than that. Therefore, according to their capacity to understand the value of things. That's what they're going to have emotions about. And he says the same thing the flip side, the same thing the flip side, they get angry and annoyed about little trivial things. So then, oh, you gave them the wrong frosting flour on the cake. Oh, I wanted the yellow one, you gave me the pink one. And they fall on the floor, sobbing like they just experienced, God forbid, some type of a tragedy. Why? Again, because their mind isn't big enough to grasp anything. God, thank God, you know, they, don't, they can't grasp a bigger tragedy than getting the pink flower instead of the yellow flower. And same thing with tiferis, which is pride. You know, what are they proud of? They're proud of silly little accomplishments, but that's what they're capable of relating to cognitively. So he says, basically, that the point is not child psychology. This is not, uh, this is not Dr. Spock. The point is... The point is not child psychology. I, I always have to remind everybody, when the Altarebbe uses an example, please don't get focused... On the example and then run away with that as if that were the subject it's not the subject here what's the subject can anyone remind us what are we talking about ten crowns of impurity ten crowns of impurity and why are we talking about it how come to me my brain a crown yeah. and um, impurity are oxymorons? why there's no such thing as a bad king a crown a birthday crown yeah. is a good thing. there's no such thing as a, as, a, as a bad king Especially today, everybody hates kings. We're all democratized. We hate, hate kings. Crowns don't all have to be good. Crowns don't have to be We hate all authority. We're Americans. We hate authority. We're cowboys. We don't want any authority. What about Ketcher Arturo? Okay, so that's just a, a different crown. Okay. Don't get obsessed on crowns. Don't get obsessed on child psychology. What's our point here? What are we talking about today? Animal soul. Why are we talking about the animal soul? Because it's fun. Why are we talking about it? We talk about it what? Because we talked about it before, and now we're forced to continue talking about it. No, that's not enough of a reason. Because I spoke about it once, now I'm forced to speak about it again. Why are we really talking about it? Yeah, ca- yeah because I have a struggle going. Uh, let's, let's just please remember why we're really here. Because we have this personal struggle in our service of Hashem, and we're trying to sort it all out and figure out how to do better. Okay. So part of doing better was I needed to have certain insight about myself, about my inner makeup. And uh, I was told I have an animal soul. And now I'm focusing on what the inner makeup of that uh, of that inner of that, uh, animal soul is. So the first thing you told me is you should know. The animal soul is made of ten faculties. Cognitive and emotional faculties. Three cognitives have an emotional... They have the exact same names. He doesn't even list them again because we listed them in Chapter 3. bin is the seichel. chesed for malchus is the emotions. He doesn't even list them again. Um, and he tells us, again, the relationship is cognition and emotions, our parents and children. Uh, and he tells us an interesting insight. You should know that the reason why the animal soul loves what it loves is not an emotional defect it's a cognitive limit or limitation so because that's all it's capable of understanding that's all it's capable of caring about just understand the animal soul is not receptive to abstract thought or or spiritual ideas or philosophical ideas the animal soul relates to the concrete, to the here and now, to personal payoff. So this is what it can relate to. Cognitively, that's what it can relate to. And therefore, that's what emotionally it's drawn to. Now, how are we going to use this information later? I'm not going to get into it. Just let it be noted that it's important now to understand these, these things, because later on, when we're actually trying to manage this conflict, it's important to know what limits the animal soul is operating under. Okay? All right. That's Are there seven singles or doubles? They're, uh, they're also uh doubles, but he doesn't call them doubles here. He just calls them the middays. He does he doesn't do the he doesn't do the singles and doubles expression over here. Okay. So Here, now, we just described the, the ten faculties. These ten faculties. When a person thinks about them, or speaks about them, or does them, meaning when a person lends Expression to these ten crowns of impurity, either through thought or through speech or th- or through action, what happens at that point? So at that moment, the thought in his brain, the speech in his mouth, the power of action in his hands and other limbs, are called impure garments. To those ten impure faculties bohen, which those faculties are invested in, dressed up in those garments at the time, at the moment of action, speech or thought, in other words he has just described the three garments of the animal soul Just like in chapter 4, we had the three garments of the godly soul. Now, just to try to remember from two weeks ago. uh, Yeah, two weeks ago. Remember we said the garments of the godly soul are thought, speech, and action. But what specific kind of thought, speech, and action? About God. About God. Right. Meaning to say, and he categorized them as, thought, speech, and action of the godly soul are all... Mitzvahs. Mitzvahs. Yeah, mitzvahs. Because how else does a godly soul express itself? Through, it. through itzvahs, exactly. Okay. Right, but what are the levoshia nefesh of the godly soul? Specifically, it's levoshia nefesh. Its garments are all mitzvahs. They're all mitzvahs. Okay. Now we're saying that the animal soul also has levoshia nefesh. It also has garments. Thought, speech, and action. Through, through which it expresses itself. How do you categorize that? Okay, so you said Avedas? Okay, so that would be easy to say, you have mitzvahs, and you have Avedas. Okay, and you're not incorrect. But, the definition is a lot bigger than just Avedas. Because there's a lot of stuff in between mitzvahs and Avedas. So watch what he says here. The heim heim, and these are, namely, what are the three what types of thought, speech, and action are the thought, speech, and action of the animal soul? Kol ha All the actions that are done under the sun. You know what it means, everything under the sun? It means everything mundane, not spiritual, not for the sake of heaven. Asher hevel rus-ruach It is all vanity and... Brokenness of spirit. Mm-hmm. Like it says in Zayar, Pasha's Bashalakh Khulu, the brokenness of the spirit. It's interesting here how he translates this term, which normally we would say is Ra, meaning broken, I mean meaning evil. And here he calls it brokenness. I mean, that's that's straight from the Zayar. He's calling it brokenness dysfunction. Any opportunity to connect to God that is squandered is a breaking or a damage to to the soul and to the spirituality of the world. So what he's saying is, it's not just the Vedas, it's not just sins, it's any mundane, what he calls under the sun activity. That is, well, he's going to tell us explicitly. Let's, let's look in the Alter Rebbe's own words. Yeah. Is that what he was? Call, the Alter Rebbe was calling in the <coughs> earlier chapters the Trying to connect. The- okay, so you're asking about Noiga So that okay, so keep talking? that keep that term for a second. We'll we'll circle back to that. It's a good quote. You're asking good. You're asking good. Okay. Any words or any thoughts, and he already said actions, that are not expressly for the sake of serving Hashem and Hashem's desire, shezahu pirush sitra We've been bandying about this kabbalistic term sitra achra, have we? Looked into its literal definition. Sitra Achra is an Aramaic phrase. Sitra means side. Achra means other. Sitra Achra, the other side. That's what Sitra Achra means. We use this term Sitra Achra to describe evil. What does Sitra Achra literally mean? It means the other side. It says, "Pirush Tzad Acher." He just says it in Loshon Kodesh. Tzad Acher, the other side, which means what? She'enei Tzad Hagdusha. That's not the side of holiness. So here's what he says. In order to be Thought, speech, and action of the animal soul. It doesn't have to just be so egregious that it's become an actual violation of God's will. All it has to be is not expressly for the intent of aligning oneself with God's will. So you're asking a very good question about the Klipasnoiga. Hmm, I don't know. That's a good, you hear her question. We learned about klipas in the end of... Normally, I would say, hold on, we didn't learn about it yet, but we did. You're correct. We did. So at the end of chapter 1, we learned about klipas about that neutral klipa. Klipa means shell, and klipas means the shining shell, because you see the spark of godliness shining through it. It's translucent. So what's up with that? So I'm going to leave you with a question for now. I'm going to leave you with a question. But what he does say... Is you have two categories. It's binary. It's either Kedusha or it's not. It's very categorical. Either it's Kedusha or it's not Kedusha. Yeah? We also discussed Russia, R- 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 yeah. I have no idea how that fits in yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, no idea yet. <laughs> yeah, he, brought, he, threw, he threw out those terms with Russia, R- Tzadig in the beginning of, beginning of chapter one. We haven't even come back to that yet to figure out. And with the um, godly soul, the garments are greater than the soul and elevated. Oh, wow. Okay. Hold on a second. I'm going to pause you because I want everyone to hear this. You say, with the godly soul, the garments are greater than the soul itself and therefore lifted up. Yeah, that is what we said. So finish the thought. Go ahead. You're on the right track. Yes, yes, yes. So anything not Torah, not Mithra, not Hashem. So, well, you're 100% correct. So just like we said with the godly soul, its garments are greater than it and lift it higher than it is on its own. So too, the garments of the animal soul are lower than the soul and schlep it down lower than it is on its own. But they're both Levusha Hanefesh? They're both called Levusha Hanefesh, yeah. No, we're not going to name them both. They don't have different terms. What? <laughs> uh, okay, so someone's, it's, it's one of the questions, can't you elevate it? Can't you? Okay, so this is similar to what you're asking, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to be in suspense for a little while. It's okay to be in suspense. For now, we have two categories we have holy and not holy. That's it. Now, within the not holy, are there gradations? Okay, spoiler, yeah, there are gradations within the not-holy. And you alluded to the technical term already, klip and we'll, hasnaiga, and can't you elevate it, and all that stuff. We'll get to that. With, with Hashem's help, we'll get to that. But for now, I want the Altarebbe's point to hit us with full force. He's saying such a powerful concept right now. Either something is expressly dedicated to the service of Hashem, and therefore it is holy, or it's not giving no gray area, yeah that's correct, now this is incredibly important to have a working definition of the terms holiness and unholiness, we use these terms, we don't even know what they mean, we need a practical working definition, he's given us a marvelous one, that holiness means something that is dedicated, in fact that's actually, uh, you know, the Al Tereva was also not just the Balatanya, the Bala He was the, 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 the genius not only in, in, in Nistar, but also in Nigle, in the halachic realm of Torah. So even in, uh, in, in halacha, in simple technical terms, the idea of, of kiddushin, let's say, chuppah and kiddushin, means a designation for exclusivity. That's what kiddushin is, Marriage. Marriage is a designation for exclusivity. So that's what Kedusha is. Kedusha is when something becomes set apart for one purpose, for one usage. So in the old days, we used to uh, have phone books. We don't have phone books anymore. We used to have phone books. Nobody used them to look up a number. To look up a number, you called information, and then your mom yelled at you for, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? OK. But what were the phone books used for? They were used for booster seats for children. So when you had a toddler at the, at the Shabbos table and he couldn't reach the table, so you used the, 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 you know, the big Chicago phone book or wherever you lived. So um, if somebody were to say to you, hey, don't use the phone book for a booster seat, that's not what it's made for, your response is, well, who cares what it's made for? This is what it... This is what uh, I'm using it for. But if somebody came and they, God forbid, they used a chomesh. Right. Hey, don't do that. Well, yeah, that's legitimate. Why is that legitimate? What's the difference between the chomesh and lehavdol, a phone book? And why do I even say Lahavdul between a kedusha? Kedusha is such an abstract term. What does kedusha even mean? Holy. Holy, you're just translating the word. Designation. That's the point, designation. So the phone book was not designated for any particular use, use it for whatever works, but the Chumash is designated for being used in special ways. By the way, when we speak to to children, about their bodies and about modesty. One of the ways, you know, we're always told, oh, well, don't tell them it's dirty, tell them it's holy. Yeah, but that's just lip service, you don't know what that means. What does it mean that it's holy? That something that is designated for a special purpose, that makes it holy. And that which is holy is more designated, more specifically committed to being used in a specific way. Even if there are clever life hacks where you could Use things, you know, you could use the chumash as a booster seat, God forbid. You could use parts of your body for for recreation. But that's not what it was designated for. It's a different kind of booster. It's a different kind of booster. (laughs) That's that's good. Okay. (laughs) It's also a booster, a different kind of booster. So you understand that kiddushah means designation. It means it was set aside. Now, if I would ask you, so that's, that's concrete, a book, a chumash is holy. Okay. But what if I would ask you about an abstraction like like action? Action is abstract. I mean, you could see a person taking action, but the concept of action itself is uh, is an abstract idea. So how would you categorize an action as holy or speech as holy or thought as holy? So it's simple, it's simple criterion here. Yeah? Well, that it's unique for Hashem, (laughs) that you've designated for the the sake of serving Hashem. So how do you categorize thought, speech, and action as holy or unholy? You ask one question. What's it for? What is its designated purpose? So if I'm doing something and you say, well, why are you doing that? I'm doing it because God told me to do it. Okay, so that's holy. So that would be a mitzvah. That would be a mitzvah. A mitzvah is something God told you to do. Now, you guys are asking about the Klippas Noiga stuff. So someone says, why are you drinking the water? I don't know. I just feel like it. Oh, so that's Sitra Acha. Why are you drinking the water? So that I can teach Torah. Oh, okay. So now, something that God wants you to do. Anyways, I don't want to get into the whole discussion of elevating the, the neutral klippa and the Klippas noiga stuff. Yeah. The animal soul itself is Klipasnoiga and the default of any action it does for its own purposes is Klippas mm-hmm. Yeah. But without getting ahead of ourselves, yes, Klipasnoiga can be elevated. But for now let's just grasp the the contrast that he's making between Kedusha and Klipa, yeah. So isn't the ultimate purpose not just to obey Hashem, but that in order to connect to Hashem say it again we don't just obey hashem yeah. just so what we're trying to do is connect ourselves to hashem right but that's the connection the con- right the connection is i'm doing something for hashem mm-hmm. i'm not doing it because it says it in shulchan aruch mm-hmm. i'm doing it because hashem wants it how do i know what hashem wants because it says it in shulchan aruch mm-hmm. right i'm not serving shulchan aruch i'm serving god mm-hmm. but how do i know how to serve god I have to open the Shulchan Aruch. Okay. You're supposed to think about it all day. You're supposed to think about it all day. Yeah, you, yeah. No, because you're asking a good question, but the whole thing is about mindfulness because everything comes down to intent. Everything comes down to intent. Why did you do it? I don't know. I just felt like it. Then it's Tzad Acher. Okay, so yes, it requires constant mindfulness. You're 100% correct. All right, let's continue here. All right. So, uh... Yeah, so we said anything that's not expressly done for the sake of serving God is called the other side. It's called klipa. what is holiness? ella baruchu. Holy means something where Hashem can dwell, Hashem can rest. Okay, two-step definition. Holiness is only that where Hashem can dwell and rest. Ve'ein kadosh baruch hushedah and Hashem can only rest al'dav ha'shabbat aletzle'i yisbaruch. Upon that which is <coughs> nullified to him. That which is nullified to him. So basically he's describing here, here we'll, we'll use another word surrender. Kadusha is surrender. We said before designation. It's not a contradiction. Surrendering to designation. He says, Kedusha is that which allows Hashem to dwell, and Hashem can only dwell where there is complete bittal. Bittal means surrender. I'm not, you know, they say ego, E-G-O, edging God out. So also, I didn't make that up. No, no, I didn't make it up. Okay, so when you're full of you, you're not full of him. Then you push aside the ego, which you call Bitl, selflessness, so you make room for God. And the same thing with every single, every single thought, speech, and action is a decision whether it is self-oriented or if it's God-oriented. Okay, So he says, um, yeah, holiness is that which allows Hashem to dwell, that which allows Hashem to dwell is that which is bottle to Hashem. He says, mamish whether in actuality right now it's bottle, like um, the angels, or something that is potentially battle to Hashem, or like the Jewish person, he may not be bottle at this moment, but he has within him at any moment the capacity to give up everything for Hashem. Okay. That's why the sages say that even one who sits and learns Torah, the Shekhinah is there. Why? Because he is make, make, he's, he's making space for Hashem to be there. And any ten gathering of ten, any minion, the Shekhinah is there. Why? Because the capacity of these Jews to be battle at any moment but anything that's not surrendered to Hashem, but holds itself to be a separate entity, anything that is full of itself. It's rece- of course it receives its, its life force from God, because there's no other source. But it's not receiving from the front, it's receiving from the back. That's a whole other discussion, what that means. But what we're saying is that something, any entity whose identity is that I exist because I exist. You know, like Potter, you said, I made myself. Self, like a self-made man. So that does not allow Hashem in. Now, obviously, it's still being sustained by Hashem. There's no other life source, but we call it receiving mebichinus acharayim, receiving it through the back, yeah, over the shoulder. What about a side entrance? Side entrance? Yeah, I'm sure there's different. I'm sure there's different degrees. <laughs> 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 Uh, he, but he describes here the, me- the mechanics of the and medregel rivas medreges Basically, the life force goes level after level, goes down, declines one level after the uh, other through a different chain of, of declensions, uh, cause and effect series, and with with many great contractions, this, this life force is getting like processed basically like uh, imagine like processed food it's not even like recognizable what the original uh, raw materials were until the godly light is so condensed it's so processed until it's in a form where it can be put into an exile state and it can even enliven something that is feeling separate from god and this life force is allowing that thing to exist so it doesn't revert into nothingness as it was before it was created. So basically saying that if God wouldn't be re- recreating everything every single second, it would revert to its pre-created nothingness. However, something that is in a state of kidusha is uh, getting that directly, unprocessed or minimally processed. Obviously, infinity has to be processed in order for a finite being to receive it. But something which is rebelling, and rebelling doesn't mean sinning, it just means having an ego, and feeling autonomous, and feeling separate from God, so that's going to receive its life force in a processed way. We can get into a whole long conversation about this, but I I don't think we're going to do that today. Okay. V'lochein. Therefore, Nikra, Elam Haza, I'm going to try to finish the chapter. Let's see if I can do it.. The physical world and everything in it is called the world of Klipa and Akra. That's why everything in this world is difficult and hard, and there's a lot of negativity. And in this world evil people are able to prevail. Kameshka Kosveits Khaim Sharman base save perigdala like it says in the Kabbalah in Kitzferiza. Ima yes beseghas sferot hasiah de gedusha kameshka kosveits khaim sharma gimmo. Even though if you really want to know in this physical world inside of it are the 10 sferot. The holy 10 sferot. That's the internal makeup the underlying fabric of reality. So even this physical world, which is so, uh, has is such a concealment of 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 the godly life force within it. The godly life force is still within it. Now, <laughs> in the physical world, you have the eser Sphiris of asiyah, the lowest spiritual world, and within the Esser of asiyah. You have the asospheris of Yetzira. Ub Seichon, de and then inside the Asospheris of Yetzira, you have the Asospheris de Bria. Seychon Atzilos, and inside the Asospheris of Bria, it's like the Russian dolls, You have the Asospheris of Atzilos. She and inside the ten spheres of Atzilos, the highest spiritual world, or ants of Baraku, is the infinite light. It's all happening right here. You're saying, where is that sea list? Can I take a rocket ship and go? No, no, no. It's not up there. It's right here. It's just a question of how deeply buried it is. But the core of reality, even in this low world, which we just called a difficult world, a world full, full of evil, a world where, where, where evil people are able to prevail, notwithstanding all that, if you peel away the concealments, you'll find that at the core of reality is the infinite light. So it comes out. The infinite light is filling this entire lower world. Through its being invested in the four worlds. Briah, Yitzira, Asiya. He also quotes sources in the Kisvei Arizal. Ready? Now you're ready? Okay. Allah. Now everything we just said that it's either holy or it's not holy. Okay. And that's true. And we said that this world is a world of a lot of concealment. There's a lot of a lot of people who are not mindful of the fact that they are totally—they are totally at the, at the mercy of Hashem for their very existence—and that's why this world is called the world of Klippa. Okay. There's a lot of Klipa in the world. Yeah, sure, I got it. Ella, however, you should know something. There are two categories within Klippa, one lower than the other. One lower than the other. They're both low, but one's lower than low. So the lower level of Klippa, Klippa means shell, concealment, that which is hiding the godliness. The lower level... Those are the totally irredeemable clippers. They have no good in them. Now what does it mean they have no good in them? Obviously they have some good in them or they wouldn't exist. It's not accessible. For all practical intents and purposes, there's no good in them because I can't access that good. And that's why, as we're about to explain, those are the things that Torah prohibits. So prohibits them because any good that may be hidden within them is totally inaccessible to me, so why waste my time with it? So we have the lower level, <coughs> which has no good in it for all intents and purposes. Um and God of gamer. when Yichesgul had his vision of the chariot, he saw a stormy wind. And a great cloud. These are references to those three impure clippers. The, the uh, no, well, Hold on, I'll do that last line on its own. But basically said, what is in this category? I'm trying to go quickly to finish up. What's in this category? All of the idol worshippers and their bodies, all of the impure animals that we're not allowed to eat, um, and even uh, vegetables you're not allowed to eat, like the third, like uh, he says, uh, like kile uh, the when you mix uh, vines with uh, wheat. So that's, that's a prohibition, so you're not allowed to eat that. Uh, or like Orla, the first three fruit-bearing years of a, of a tree. Anyways, he's saying all these things that are against Halacha, that are going against Torah, whether they're people or they're, they're animals or they're vegetables, it doesn't matter. People, animals, vegetables, these are things that are going against Hashem, so these are in the category of the three irredeemable klippas. Okay. Three, it's three. This category, remember we said the clip is divided into two categories. So the category that we're speaking about first, the lower category, has three subdivisions within it. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. Okay. Now here's the important part. This is the last line of the chapter and we'll let you go. And also, the energy of any sinful action, speech, or thought. This is the part that's most pertinent to us. When you do anything, doing, remember, can mean, in Tanya, action, it could even mean speech, and it can even mean thought. So the vitality, the action, the energy behind that forbidden action, speech, and thought our irredeemable clipper. On a little higher than the one you just mentioned. No, 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 no. no. You said there's two. We didn't get into the other one. Than the we didn't lower. get into the other one yet. Yeah, it's a cliffhanger. us coming up in the next chapter. You're always ahead. Why are you always ahead? You're reading ahead. Okay, Let, let so, so let's take one more minute to just make sure everyone understands what, what's happening here, okay? First, we said there are two categories. It's either Kedusha or it's not. Okay, no problem, I got it. Then he said, now, in the, in the category of it's not Kedusha, there are two categories. One of them's a little bit better, and we haven't spoken about it yet. We haven't spoken about it yet. The entire chapter 7 will be about that. But that's essentially what your question is about the stuff that you can elevate. But we didn't talk about that yet. What he did say is the lower level within CLIPA, and it itself is subdivided further into three categories. But the three categories have no practical uh, bearing for us. So just suffice it to say, you have within clipa I'm going to use the terms redeemable and irredeemable. Not not good stuff. Not good. So, within the not good stuff, we have redeemable and irredeemable. We didn't speak about redeemable yet. That's in chapter 7. That's the one that has good that's concealed? That's we call klipas noyga. Yeah? Aren't we taught everything is redeemable? Like there's nothing that you can't... No, 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 no. <laughs> You're jumping way ahead. You're saying, aren't we taught everything's redeemable with tshuva? That is... After the fact, you don't call me if anyone says I'm going to purposely sin and then do tshuva, but I'm telling you, don't jump to ask me, oh, hold on a second, everything really is redeemable because you have chuva. No, 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 you're not allowed to say it like that. You can't say it like that. First, you have to say, it's irredeemable. And then after you understand it's irredeemable, you say, come here. Did you ever hear about tshuva? <laughs> Okay. All right. Is everyone clear on where we got up to? So that means if everyone's clear. Not clear, clear, what do you need? One second. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the one is Klippanoga. No, Klipposnoga is the one we haven't learned about yet. No, I know. Yeah. And then there's another
1: two. No, there's another three.
0: There's another three. Yeah. Okay. So what are those three? we don't even can i tell you something real like tanya students never use specific terms for the individual 3 irredeemable clippers so i'm telling you even with the big boys they just say the 3 irredeemable clippers because the rabbi said the lowest level of those yeah is but that one has three subsets, three subsets of it but we never dis- okay, but we never discuss what the 3 are. okay, okay. so if everyone's on the same page, what will next week be about? Which is the clip of which is and and is able to be redeemed. Yeah, that will be God willing next week. Okay. No, it is accessible.